Welcome to Light the Sky Podcast. We are on episode four, Amagama from Pink Floyd. Their fourth studio album, a uh, half-live album, half-studio album, a four-disc album, a four-disc, uh, sorry, excuse me, a uh, four-record uh, uh, album that they had a uh, four sides, um, where the first half was a live album of some of their favorites, and uh, second half is them wasting time in the studio. Um, well, <laughs> I should get ahead of myself, but we'll get there. Um, you know, it's just incredible to think of all the bands that were doing incredible things in 1969 and here pink floyd is putting out this uh, uh as a part of their effort but you know it's, it's interesting for me to think about um that pink floyd was really a band that um you know had a lot of leeway up front maybe just the uh the innovation with sid um you know kind of being that cult favorite give them more uh a cred with the record label to be it and just you know mess around for a bit before they really find their voice it really isn't usual that you have a band that comes out of the gate strong fades and then comes back even stronger really with a lot of their most iconic work obviously there are exceptions, but uh, definitely this is something that we have to slog through in Pink Floyd. So glad you're with us. Uh, love to hear uh, your feedback on the show. We've been getting some good comments and uh, suggestions so far. So I'm happy to uh, announce that we are going to be uh, debuting our new website soon, and it'll be lightthesky.net. Uh, check us out there. Uh, definitely try to give us a review on iTunes. We'll be leading the, reading them live on air. Uh, thanks to the Decibel Geek for that kind of inspiration. Definitely any Anybody who would like to raise a review, good or bad, we will dissect it on air in a new segment. Who knows? Maybe we'll love flush by or terminate your review. Uh, and light the sky podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, any of the social media that you might be. We are there uh, as well as Reddit. So please uh, set, uh, talk to us. Uh, let us know because uh, this is an interesting, uh, um, you know, but this is an interesting discussion that we're all having here. And I think that you know our uh, decision here to exclude the live section of this album. Uh, you know, at the Light the Sky podcast, we do a band's discography as, um, as, as, as written in the studio. We generally don't delve into live territory unless it's in reference to the studio versions of the songs. And I think that just because it's just more of an example of their, uh, their linear uh, story that unfolds, it really, I think it happens in the studio with few exceptions. I don't know, maybe like Frank Zappa or somebody like that would be more of a live live study than a studio study. But for that reason, we will be skipping the live album here, uh, maybe much to everyone's chagrin considering it generally is considered the good part of this release. And we will be having lots of fun diving into the studio, the original tracks. Uh, we will be breaking them into uh, each section as, as uh, shown on the Spotify release of this album. And uh, yeah, there we go. Alex, take it away. You're first. What is your quick review of Pink Floyd's Amagama? Well, this record. So I guess a little background on this record. Uh, prior to this last week, uh, listening to it for the first time, I, I had never listened to anything from this record before. Uh, but I do remember back in high school, I think I mentioned him on a past episode, but a good friend of mine, Tim, who was in my first band, he was the drummer, was a big Pink Floyd fan. And I remember him, I think, having the CD in the practice or like in his upstairs practice room where we all jammed. And I was kind of taken back by the title, which I think that's 
probably like most people, it's like, what does that mean? I, I have to look into that. What does that word mean? Is that real? Is that some kind of spaceship or something? I don't know. So I never knew it was a half live album, a studio album. I just figured it was a studio album. And then this week I listened to it for the first time. And uh, yeah, not a favorite. Uh, I, I I read a review, somebody saying that uh, it was an admirable record to fall asleep to. And yeah, that's going to be my review, Music music to Fall Asleep to, Volume 1. And I'm going to give it a whopping 2 out of 10. The cure for insomnia, and that's all it gets is a 2 out of 10. Kevin, what do you say? I'm going to have to join Alex in that 2 out of 10 rating. Um... Yeah, this is a struggle. I tried to listen to this, um, and trying to listen to this with an active mind is as hard a task as you will find in uh, maybe the music business. Who knows? (laughs) But boy, was it easy to just click play and then drift off or wonder when you'd be able to listen to other songs, uh, which I found myself doing a lot during this. Like, when can I search Spotify for something else? Uh, I'm not even sure what sentence to give this album, like what a review would be. Uh, Maybe the review would just be snooze and that's it. Okay, Chris, your thoughts? Yeah, this is kind of diving into the shallow end of the pool with uh, with uh, with a blindfold on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this. Uh, uh, yeah, the, again, this is probably the most epic form of pretentious British rock, pr- pr- whatever you want to call avant garde, that I've ever seen. Uh, I know. I'm sure down the line, I'm sure some people took it farther because in music they always do. It's like, oh, this is not not nonsensical enough for me. I'm going to take it to where it's just, I don't know, just somebody hitting their head against the wall for 60 minutes, uh, which which this is yeah, very much in line with that. But uh, yeah, as far as my yeah, one line, it's uh, are we there yet? <laughs> and I, I'm going to I'm going to give I'm going to bump it up just a half point, two point five, just because it is kind of definitive, like avant garde. Yeah, I mean, it is sure. kind of historically significant, so I'll give it that. But yeah, as far as listening just from a. Uh, just a enjoyment perspective now <laughs> yeah good point um yeah. you know this is a show where we um you know we're, we're people that didn't grow up in this generation but we uh appreciate this music and really have really the world to listen to i can call up a library of i don't know 10 million songs simply with my voice uh speaking to my smart speaker in my kitchen so um, a lot of competition out there and will i ever ask cortana to play several species of small furry animals gathered together in a cave and grow Rooting. Um, I can't say I will, but I do appreciate the effort set out here. Uh, obviously, each member of the band was given a showcase. Um, I guess they all had equal time to waste in the studio, um, so they all took advantage of it. Uh, I don't know that they were all trying to one up each other because I don't really hear a whole lot of relation. I do hear the uh, the, the future of Pink Floyd here, though, and there was mm-hmm. uh, there's some interesting yep. moments that really hint at what's coming next and really who would be the um, at least a key songwriter and a key visionary going forward. So really, it's not one to miss simply for that. Um, it's probably one to miss if you're just looking for some good music to throw on in the background and stay awake. Um, but I will double everyone's score uh, because this album does set, uh, this does accomplish what it sets out to do. So I will give it a five out of 10. Wow. Ambitious. I, want, yeah, I wanted to be, yeah. I wanted to be generous, but yeah, I, yeah, I, 
not this time. <laughs> well, I mean, it, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll we'll see if I'll I can see how many. I'll be you counting your flushes when we get to there. Yeah, see, my my, my historical significance comment only gave brought it up a half point from uh, Alex and Kevin, so that kind of <laughs> should tell you something. Well, I mean, <laughs> I will be more on the historical significance argument because music is preserved yeah. in time. It's the one art form where that what is captured on tape is forever fresh, really. And you know, I know we've had this argument before, and you know, because we aren't going to be talking too much about the songs on this album, maybe I'll throw in a little story, um, and we, then we can get to the dreaded music here. But um, uh, I was listening to. Uh, or I was just in a store, I think, and I heard uh, Journey's Separate Ways come on. Um, you know, it's just background music in a store, but, you know, it caught my ear, and I said, you know, that's a pretty good synth rock song. And I uh, was like, when did that come out? 1984, you know, like 80, 82, 82, I think it was yeah, earlier. Than it that, was I recorded think, yeah. in 82 and yeah. released in January 83. And I would have never, you know, like, and, and there's something that because I knew it came out now in that time, I appreciate it more. I appreciate like, well, you're actually hearing the cutting edge of synth rock yeah, or like synth you know, hard rock there at that time. And, and that just gives it a fresher appreciation, you know, and if, if that song came out in 87, 88, I don't think I would have been, you know, like, even though the music is the same. Um, and I think you hear that a lot with early Pink Floyd that, you know, well, if, if this had come out in 75, you'd feel embarrassed for them, but because it's coming out so relatively early, you can give them a little bit of a mulligan for, um, wasting time in the studio in 1969. Hey, they gave us two albums in 1969 to, uh, to dive into. So, <laughs> Um, yes, they did. Yeah, they <laughs> did. did we like uh, either one? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, but 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 still, I think you can make an argument for the freshness being preserved on tape and something that just boosts the quality of a uh, of a listening experience, knowing that it was made uh, uh, in that time. So, Kevin, let's see if that holds up. Take it away. Okay, here we go on the track by track. This is part one of Sisyphus. the whole part <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or, do, or do we want that yeah. well it's only a minute eight so can you complain yeah. um but i mean it, it really has the sound of a uh a 1990s nintendo 64 game doesn't it um, oh my god get out of my head I'll, 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 no i'm mean, gonna i'll wait i'll wait till you finish but i'll throw out my comment yeah after. yeah kevin doesn't it sound like perfect dark or something it does like a one of those dramatic scenes yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Sandra is coming into the office or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, it's, but I don't, I don't, you hear those? Oh, go ahead. Well, well, I was just gonna say that uh, again. That's why I made my argument that the freshness is preserved. Coming up with something in like this in 1990, uh, 1969 is just a bit more fresh. And there's a couple moments on this album that I think are much more cinematic than the soundtrack album they wrote. So. I'm not sure. Maybe that was just in their heads still because they were recorded. This one was recorded after, but um, yeah, this is kind of like within their headspace. So, you know, I think that this is definitely in those, um, you know, in that uh, feeling of a, um, you know, like a, um, I don't know, like a Stanley Kubrick film or something. Like it really yeah. has that feeling. Yeah, funny enough. Yeah, this yeah, that was one thing. I guess maybe if it was, maybe they should have switched uh, as far as what was on more and what was on here. I mean, this is definitely much more of a cinematic kind of feeling 
Isn't this Alan. much more of a dramatic theme than dramatic theme? From <laughs> right, <Lord>? yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But yeah, you feel. But again, like with this, it feels like yeah, the setup to a scene. I mean, whereas the other album, I mean, they just felt like these weirdly kind of placed. Like, it's, it's like this isn't really a conventional soundtrack album where mm-hmm. this is. Like, yeah, this is perfect. It's just ambient. It's ethereal, uh, and it kind of just based on what that other movie, the movie that uh, the soundtrack was uh, made for uh, for the Moore movie. I mean, this sounds much more appropriate, but. What can you say? I guess they—that's <laughs> not how mm-hmm. it how it landed. But uh, but yeah, it was funny. As far as video game kind of sounding, I had—I don't know why—but um, Prince of Persia kind of jumped into my head for something like the original one. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you got the, just two two D video game. Yeah, you got you're starting the level or whatever, and just yeah, yeah I don't. It's the cutscene fall- intro. Yeah, or something. and then falling into the pit of spikes. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, I don't know. It just <laughs> it, which kind of added to the cheese factor a little bit for me. Yeah. But you have to give them credit because they put this out in 69, not 96. Yeah, that's, I guess. <laughs> I think I'm just burned out on the, uh, on just the experimentations. Yeah, we're, we're four albums in and they still haven't figured out their tools yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you've had, f- you've had three, four years to figure it out. Sure. Yeah. Kevin, you have any thoughts while Alex, uh, uh, figures out his computer situation out? Um, on this first part, well, uh, I don't know. The, the, the hard part about this, actually, to me, is thinking of this as a band effort. Because everything I read said that each of the guys worked on their songs by themselves or with their own little group and recorded it, and they were credited for it, and that's it. And I realized they released this as Pink Floyd, but I just, like, did the others even care about this song? I, I don't even know. So this is what makes this album difficult, honestly. Yeah. And uh, this, I believe, was Rick Wright's song, right? Correct, From, yes, yeah. Okay, and he was the one who suggested this entire affair. He wanted real music this, the, on this this yeah. album instead of just live. And this is what he comes up with? I just... You, you think he would have come up and like yeah guys we all need our solo pieces and then it comes out kicks down the door no that doesn't happen at all and it's kind of disappointing oh, this is not honestly. the worst of the bunch though come on well, well no, no but, but if you're gonna suggest <laughs> no. guys we got 20 minutes aside to do something and you're gonna come up with you better come up with something impressive the it other is, guys are just dragged yeah. along okay yeah i guess i gotta fill up the vinyl but well, if, you, if, if it's your idea, you better have something good. It's an interesting uh, space to be in because usually uh, you get that kind of thing that happens with bands on the fritz. I mean, just, just you know, like, uh, guys, let's all do our own separate pieces in the studio because we can't stand being in each other's presence anymore. So um, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it saved them. Who knows? Uh, Alex, uh, you got any thoughts? Yeah, no, not much other than what you guys said. Uh, I mean, you hit it on the on the head with it being probably more cinematic than anything that would be on more, in my opinion. And yeah, Chris kind of mentioning, I think you said something about like Prince of Persia. Is that what you mentioned? <laughs> yeah. Did I get that right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I hear that too. Uh, like very, again, I, I keep mentioning this movie, but it just the more and more I listen to their stuff, like more and more of this movie comes out to me and it's that Holy Mountain movie again, yeah. where there's a scene in that movie where they have these 
uh, I think they call them horned lizards, where they're basically just like, that's what they are. They're lizards, and they're kind of all dressed up as like kings and queens, and they, it's such a weird movie, oh, but I feel yeah. like I hear this song playing in Over that it, scene, yeah. Yeah. or or I hear, you know, peasants kind of like lifting a king as he comes in, mm-hmm. like, you know, into a, you know, something like, uh, what's that movie? with uh, Russell Crowe gladiator or something mm-hmm. like that, like bringing him into the ring and everybody watches and applauds the King as he yeah. br- gets brought into the arena. That's kind of what this, with this song uh, does for me. And, you know, it, it's cool that they were able to do this, but I mean, I don't know. You've heard this a lot in other places. So is it really that special? I don't know. And, and the thing is, is I don't know. I don't, it almost sounds like it's going to be something kind of epic. And then it goes into the next part and it's, <laughs> Almost seems like why was this part here? It didn't really tie in with the rest of the other parts, in my opinion. But I don't know. That's just me. Well, maybe we should get to that second part. Let's see what movie this reminds us of in part two. Part is okay, but like that's about it. <laughs> it, it. It's that that's what I feel like. It, it's okay, nothing outstanding, nothing that blows my mind. And uh, it's about done in three and a half minutes. But I, I don't know where does it fit among the parts. That's 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 tough when considering this as a whole. Where you compare the parts, but as as a whole, is three minutes enough to save the entire song? Yeah, uh, this. I mean, I, I think this piece uh, is what I was getting to when I talked about how uh, it's set, it accomplishes what it meant to set out. And this is not something new that we've had from Pink Floyd. Um, I mean, it happened uh, all over Piper, Saucer Full of Secrets, the title track, that um, deconstruction, uh, that um, you know, b- uh, bliss into uh, slowly becoming more and more maniacal and then ultimately deconstructing into chaos and just um, really utilizing that, uh, those at those low dissonant tones. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I've, I've, uh, you know, I study classical music, so, you know, I, have got a bit of a background, but I mean, this is very Debussy. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, Debussy's Nocturne in, uh, uh, you know, three part four orchestra here. I mean, that's, that's really worth, um, you know, I, I think something to me, but, um, you know, does it stand as an own? Is it something that I would ever listen to? No, but it's the second part of a four part track. You have to judge it with it. Does it fit at all into the first part? Like, no, I, I see where Alex is going with that. Like that it doesn't work at all, but I mean, it's pretty, I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that if I, if I heard him, you know, if he showed that, if Rick Wright showed that to me in 1969, I, I might laugh a little bit and be like, dude, play that again. 
<laughs> can you do it? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, like as far as a piece, it's not like the. It's not like it's um, without uh, grounding. I mean, there, there, there's obvious influence there from uh, romantic era, late romantic era composers. So it's definitely to me something that I appreciate in this song. What was because um, I remember was it on Saucerful that song that uh, uh, Rick Wright and Nick Mason shared where they was like this very kind of where it was like kind of like a jazz piece. What you what was the song? Do you remember? Yeah, that's how much it stuck with me. Remember because you, you, the one that, that yeah, the was one, really yeah. bad. That was the that was um. <laughs> yeah, what, uh, that because that, that's initially what this kind of reminded me of. Is like, yeah, yeah, we can't, jazz we can't even remember the remember songs. It. Was it the one at the high school jazz drumming? Yeah, that one. I, I I wanted to ask you as far as this piece because it sounds like is this kind of rudimentary like freeform more. jazz piano, or no. would you consider this like more like more sophisticated or more kind of? No, I mean I mean it's the the chordal movements make sense. I mean the, okay. that's where I was going with like Debussy's Nocturnes. I mean it just it uh, it does sound a little vampy, like he's just picked out a chord and then he's just going to vamp up and down just just the different uh, um, uh, just just what would you call it the. Um, reorganizations of it i mean there's just okay. a uh, uh what's that called when you just um the different voicings of it i suppose but there's uh you know definitely a few moments there where i feel like it's a little too um you know like noodly um yeah but definitely so i mean it, if they set out to accomplish a deconstruction um then they did so like i i know it does sound a little bit like piano down the stairs or you know whatever right but mm-hmm. like it, like it I, definitely it, it accomplishes what it set out to do right i guess it's another kind of showing off where you, again it starts with the more kind of melodic jazz and then in the, in the back half all of a sudden you had kind of again you've got that very avant-garde kind of or Arnett Coleman kind of just mm-hmm. kind of but you know mm-hmm. but as even people who are unfamiliar with jazz know okay those are pretty those are dense jazz chords but it's correct it's not oh it's yeah, not wrong there, there's no yeah. there's no jazz influence from this this is yeah. uh you know uh late romantic era okay uh, yeah i don't know like I said, yeah. inversions yeah. the word you're looking for chord inversions yeah, inversions or voicings, however. Yeah. Um, it does have a little bit of that chord, 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 other chord, other chord, other chord, other chord, other chord. <laughs> a little bit of that movement, yeah. but I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I know. I know. You know, people might make fun of the ending, but yeah. All right. Anybody have anything else to say? <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. I mean, not much other than kind of what you guys said. I mean, Kevin, you you kind of hit it where I I enjoyed the first part of it. It's kind of dreamy and i enjoyed the soundscape but then once it starts getting into kind of nonsense there it, it kind of fell off for me so i mean but you need that though otherwise sure it gives you the contrast sure yeah no that's fine i mean I, yeah i guess i guess that's true i mean they were trying to incorporate sort of like a falling off mood which yeah i guess they they accomplished what they were setting out to do but just for me i i was kind of engaged at the start there and then once it started kind of falling off it's like all right i start looking at my phone i start looking for other some sort of other stimulation <laughs> and that's that might be sort of the tagline for this whole album but it's yeah. just like the, there's not a lot of engaging parts it's like i, I get yeah. distracted and then all of a sudden i start doing something else and then the next thing I know, like I, I get lost on what track I'm on. I have to like pull up my phone and say, "Oh, yeah. what part is this?" Like when I'm writing my notes, I couldn't even remember. Is this, is this still part one or part two? Like where are we at here? So this is uh, this is part four. Yeah, it's like this is one thing that I think that's hard uh, with this album is reconciling as far as us just being just like what I listen to this just as a normal like music fan or on the other end looking at this from a historical perspective like objectively mm-hmm. like what what like how do you yeah you, know, you got to think about those two things when approaching this album because if you're 
on one side or the other, you might not be able to absorb um, um, either one of those at the same time. And that's I think sure. that was the one pro that was the one problem I had with this. Like, OK, I can see like like I said earlier, historically, it's very fascinating uh, as far as where the band was, what they were doing. But as far as just a casual. Listener, like, would I listen to this again? No. But yeah, so it's like, OK, so. I guess you can try to, to bring those two together, but sometimes it's, yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's like, do you want to focus on one or the other? <laughs> sure. And that's very difficult. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've talked about that in the past is yeah. like, oh yeah, however much this may have been interesting. And if it's just not gripping me when I'm listening to it, yeah. it's going to be tough. And that's where some of the times these ratings come from, but we need to get through this track and uh, this is part three of four. So here we go. About <laughs> 75% of the way through, if you're counting parts. I don't know if you're counting minutes, if, if you've gotten <laughs> scraping that part of the barrel yet. But uh, <laughs> let's move on to part three. It was a nervous I, breakdown right there. <laughs> the musical equivalent of a hearing test. Yeah. I, 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 I really, I only There's have the a comment to the show. I only have a one word review for this. Cause I just, the energy wasn't there. It was, it was hard for me. And I just wrote nonsense, but the, you know, I think back, you know, for whoever who's followed along this far in our, in our podcast and, uh, <laughs> rest, guys stuck up. around. Yeah. yeah. You guys probably know maybe where I'm going with this, but back to our Van Halen podcast, when we hit, oh, the ba yeah. when we hit the balance album from 95, uh, the song strung out, which I think I was the only one in the group that saved that one. Uh, if I remember correctly. And that one at least, uh, went into not enough, which is a really beautiful piano ballad. And eventually it rocks out, but you know, I, I like that because at least it like led somewhere and it kind of had you a little bit on edge and it transitioned nicely into a song. But like, again, this why are they like dedicating time and tape to this? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I don't get how it really works with the whole part, really. I mean, maybe the track listing where I'm listening to it in three different parts where maybe if I would have just like saw it on my screen as like just Sisyphus as one thing, maybe it would have trained my brain to like look not, at it as a whole, not yeah. Yeah, as a whole and not like split it up. And, and maybe, you know, that's us going off of the Spotify or the CD version of this, but not, not one of my favorite parts of the first four. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. This part gave me anxiety. Like, yeah, just listening to it. It just, it induces like not feeling good. Yeah, you well, can't. look, if yeah. that's what they set out to do, I get like I said. Is well, music written to elicit emotions and others? Yeah, maybe maybe that's again like I was talking about earlier. As far as trying to reconcile those two different things, I mean, okay, our, most of us are kind of we're well, we're deep into music, but we're more kind of like uh, diverse chorus, verse chorus, big hooks, kind of rock, or well, you know what I mean. But yeah, so Desmond this, Child didn't write this. That's for right, sure. exactly. Yeah, so yeah, so it's not that I don't dig deep, but yeah, this is kind of outside. Yeah, my wheelhouse. It was funny. I this made me think of a video. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Um, uh, very early Frank Zappa, like before he blew up in the early '60s, uh, he was on the Steve Allen show, who was the uh, predecessor to uh, Johnny Carson. I came across it by accident a while ago, and um, pretty much what he was doing, as far as just kind of very 
almost like a proto kind of as far as because I mean he's one of the godfathers of avant-garde music. I mean as mm-hmm. far as that out there. And so he pretty much goes in front of how, well, I mean, it's probably at that time, I mean, it was still, you know, one of the most syndicated shows. Like he goes on there and brings a bicycle and he tells the audience, okay, I'm going to play the bicycle. And it's just, he's got the band in back of him and it's just like, he's got this bike turned upside down and he's just got these weird little like metal things. And he's just in time hitting all these different parts of the bike, the wheels, he's spinning it, he's doing it, trying to, and that was the first thing that jumped into my brain. It was like, yeah, this is just completely like... Like, you just don't care. Yeah, it's just you're completely the confidence is overwhelming. Yeah, like I here it's like like here it is. Maybe. okay, again, looking at it from that objectively. Yeah. Like, okay, I can see the questioning. What even is music? I mean, I had a a teacher in in college that was a, um, you know, at the time I didn't really like him. But, you know, we, we were all tasked with writing a sonata. And, you know, the instruments that you had picked simply for your sonata would get you criticism. Like one guy was going to write a sonata for flute and piano. And he's like, no, 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 no flute, no piano. Like you had to like he didn't say bicycle, but like you had yeah, to right, like, yeah. think outside <laughs> of the box. And really, you know, in, in a lot of ways, at least in terms of where classical composition was at this time or, you know, contemporary composition was well beyond writing traditional music for, right. you know, in traditional tonal sense. So I could see if Pink Floyd and, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Wright was influenced by that, then, you know, he was Maybe. right. He was bang on. I mean, this is John Cage right. prepared piano stuff right here. Right. Again, it's just looking at, yeah, like, okay, I'm going to look at these percussive instruments in a new Wait, hopefully you like mm-hmm. it, but I don't care if you don't. Yeah, but. piano is percussion, essentially. Yeah. Would have been, I have to say, it would have been funny if he had done a minute and 49 seconds of silence before we get to part four. Okay, well, but, John um, Cage already did that. <laughs> I, I know, but okay, I just so thought, I, I, think I, it, I think it would have been funny. I just pulled up the uh, YouTube to listen to this song, um, and I will say that, you know, thank you. If nothing else, we got some great YouTube comments from this, so. Yeah. <laughs> Best well, Pink Floyd song ever. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> we have to close out Sisyphus. I know we're going to be uh, shedding some tears as we move on to the last and final part four. I'm sorry. Take it away. <laughs> Whoever's next. <laughs> Kevin. Anybody want to? The song's still going. They're just oh. talking through his masterpiece here. What's it, going it on? Be, it you, might be in mono. We don't get you no respect for Mr. Right. No, I'll take it away. Um, the <laughs> organ intro, the organ outros were cool two albums ago. Mm-hmm. And by this point, I'm done with them. It's you tried the to do a song. Oh, it's the same type of song as the saucer full of secrets. It's the same type of song or whatever that nonsense was on more. And it's not cool anymore. I don't like it. I'm lost by this point. Sorry. It's not cool anymore. 
I, I admit that you, you could have landed some punches in part three, but this is a cool song. Come on. I mean, this is an uh, this is a an audio manifestation of the films of Stanley Kubrick. I mean, it really is just everything I hear uh, about stop. it is just that. <laughs> stop being so full of yourself. Oh, I mean, it is. It really is. I mean, I just I just feel like it's it's just this this unsettling soundtrack to some of the more, you know, not necessarily off the wall avant garde cinema of the time, but definitely more of the experimentational, um, you know, movies that were being made. I mean, um, I mean, how, how can you not hear this in a clockwork orange? I mean, that was mm-hmm. what, two years later. Um, you know, 2001 was a year ago. I mean, um, not to keep going off of him as being, uh, you know, the, 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 I mean, maybe just cause he's got that, uh, um, I don't know. He made a lot of his films in the uh, UK, but anyway, I mean, there's just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I disagree. I, I don't see it as a, uh, um, you know, as anything else, but a, you know, how else would you end part four here? How else would you, uh, exit this piece? You would have ended it after part three. Part three is horrible. I'll yeah. That. You I mean, know, never mind. I, I, I'll, uh, I'll back up Mark a little bit uh, here. I'm not going to go like full on. I will say this is my favorite part of the four. I said the first part is all right. I enjoy the, the soundscapes. Uh, I think it's actually before the part you played, Kev, before it starts to kind of get into like horror movie Dracula territory with those uh, organ chords. But at the beginning, uh, I wrote down, I felt like I was kind of walking through a Japanese Zen garden or a botanical garden, which is funny because obviously there's some garden songs at the end of this record, but I I can't even get that right. (laughs) Yeah, I heard it. I heard it more here in part four. And if anything, you know how I said in part one where I didn't really see where that big epic grandiose intro was coming. If anything, it kind of ties in towards the end there. Um, so yeah, I will say this is the, my favorite part of part four, but again, I don't know if it's anything I would go back and be like, oh man, Umaguma, let me pull up Sisyphus part four to like, remember what was on this album. I think I'll pick a few other songs. So yeah, yeah, Alex, it's interesting. You said, uh, that it reminded you of Dracula. Uh, and that was one of the things that jumped out at me, but more in like a silent movie context. Yeah. This seems like the, per- this seems like the perfect, like Last part. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep, for, right, for, so, yeah. For like a twenties horror. Yeah, exactly. Cause you, again, you've got the minor and I've, I've seen, uh, or not all the way through. I mean, silent movies again are very much an acquired taste, but, um, the few times that I've caught some on TV where it's like, yeah, this is perfect for maybe, maybe, Rick was watching a uh, uh, like one one of those when he came, when he was putting this together because it's it would have been perfect there, but again as a standalone where you have to use your imagination, it's now it's just too much for the listener. <laughs> well, I mean, why, why wouldn't he? Yeah. Maybe he just got frustrated with more. And just said, and this well, was, you know, this is how he re- retaliated. Like, this is what I would have brought to the table. Yikes. Yeah, imagine this on more. Would, yeah, wouldn't that you have rather do- listened to any of these other things, though? Wouldn't you have actually rather listened to WC than part two? Wouldn't you have rather listened to Clockwork Orange score than part four? Wouldn't you have rather listened to John Cage than part three? Yes. They're all no. inferior <laughs> versions. They're all inferior versions of better stuff that was being done. It's yeah, like here it is. Here, here's it. here's the generic brand uh, <laughs> of everything that's worse. Uh, like I, I like oh no I I'd rather listen to Rick Wright. No, not all any of the brilliant stuff that he did. Yeah. No, I'd rather listen to Sisyphus. That's what I'm digging well, through. I mean, doesn't it add something to the discography that it it broadens the scope of what they put on tape, whether you like it or not. You have to admit. Oh that yeah, I, there yeah, are bands I mean, that. Yeah. 
could would, would Debussy? I mean, you you think that um, you know X Y Z is bringing Debussy influences to their albums? I mean, it's just you know it, that's that's no. why we cover these bands because they have they cover the gamut, you know, of of of, of uh, musical influences. That's true. But then why didn't we applaud Van Halen when he said, "Oh, well, John Cage on Strung Out"? No, we because laughed about him staring across it. <laughs> Well, why does it belong here? Well, yeah, the, I yeah, don't that's, care. Well, that's, the, that's the psychedelic headspace. Yeah, this is it's what where this they is, were in 1969. Yeah, you tell it, me in nine. That's why I said in 1995, this is garbage. Like right. there's, the Van Halen was filling out an album that did not need to be filled right. out. And they were committed. I mean, and Pink Floyd was committing to what they were doing here, whether it worked or not. I mean, is another discussion. Well, I'm not discussion, listening yeah. to this in 1969. I'm listening to this in 2020. And well, I, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> that's and that's what you. That's the point. Yes, it adds it, and I respect them for doing it. I just yeah. don't care. Right. That's what it is. Like, I can't yes. make you care. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. That, no. Okay. That's just what it is. Like, yes, it is cool. Yes, it is. You know. But that's also like all these prog metal bands. Like, oh, we're gonna quote Bach. Like, yeah, so what? That's because it's Doesn't, so derivative. Like, yeah, like, Rick like, Wright wasn't yeah, doing this to, I don't know why he was doing it. I don't know. Let's <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, I, I see your point. I'm just like, I don't know. It's it's tough to like the songs, though. Yeah. In a retrospect, like, I mean, the band, I think, is, I mean, has been pretty hard on this because, like, I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> well, I mean, take a trip to MoMA or, um, you know, Museum of Contemporary Art, and, and yeah. it, like, it, it, it's tough to find art in there that you like, but it's difficult to leave without having something at least affect you. Or appreciate, right? Mm-hmm. And I get it. And that's like I said earlier, that's the one problem with this record, looking at it from two different angles, because you can't it's hard to look at it from both objective and a. Yeah, it's like a, just a song listening Ooh, like top 40. OK, you're not going to hear this on the yeah, this mm-hmm. isn't going to I mean, none of these songs have a hook. I don't know what to take from this as yeah. a composer, at least in terms of my own music. So I could say right. that it's lacking there. You're right. But um, again, you can't and again, you can't look at it from just like, again, just a normal band, top 40, whatever you want to call it. I mean, this is probably art in its purest kind of yeah, fundamental form yeah, well, isn't the yeah. fact that they could accomplish both of those because they were as much of a top 40 hit as any top 40 band could have ever hoped to be yeah. and beyond and like the yeah. fact that they could accomplish both that and this to me makes the discography that much ri- that much richer is, is this oh, it is. accomplished though is that does anybody hold up Amagama as one of the brilliant classic pieces <laughs> you know, it's, of this it, time? It is kind of fascinating well, thinking in just side, a little, but that's about it. Almost just about three years from this point, yeah, they'll be putting out pretty much the the second biggest selling album of all time. It's kind of a weird thing to think about. Yeah, when you put it, yeah, it's like just weird. Like, man, that's a maybe that makes this again more fascinating. Just showing like, okay, this is really nonsensical. Then all of a sudden, you have probably the most celebrated album. Or one of the most celebrated albums of all time, like across the board. Yeah, so I yeah, guess right. maybe that makes you kind of appreciate just how unique yeah they were. I guess yeah, by looking well, at I mean, this piece in yeah. particular is giving me a deeper appreciation yeah. for the band and what they can achieve as a whole. Okay, okay, I, I will take that, and I understand that. Yeah, actually, and okay. I, I would actually agree with that. It's like yes, I never knew that they did this. I might not listen to it again. But it's cool to know that they did. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll move on to uh, Roger Waters' contribution, his first of two. In the sunshine of the bygone afternoon Bringing sounds of yesterday into this city room 
hear the lark and harken to the barking of the dog fox gone to ground. See the splashing of the kingfisher flashing to the water. And a river of green is sliding unseen beneath the trees. Laughing as it passes through the endless summer, making for the sea. Well, yeah, before there was more cowbell, there was more bird noises. Oh my god, I was gonna say that too. Yeah, that was yeah, that was just like it was like a hanging fruit. It was just there for the picking. Yeah, I mean you couldn't you couldn't have written a better um so yeah, enough goofing off though. But uh yeah, this is just it it feels like just uh kind of I don't know, like a second rate Simon and Garfunkel. Uh mm-hmm. but uh he's doing all the singing though. Yeah, there isn't harmonies like you had there. Uh so yeah, again, this is probably like what Alex said earlier, this is definitive kind of like going to bed music <laughs> it makes you want to sleep but it's not Conk really out. yeah it, it doesn't it, it's not as innovative as innovative though as a lot of other kind of similar kind of folky uh, acoustic music of the era but yeah, uh, yeah there you go yeah <laughs> I, I guess i would agree with that i mean on this song was my favorite uh you know on first listen uh, probably just because it's like the first real song coming out of four <laughs> sort of you're sound star- effects. Starved. <laughs> yeah, four sound effect experiments of nonsense where it's like, all right, here, like I didn't think they. That's how you it's really yeah, I, I kind of thought like this whole album was going to be just more experimental sound effects and things like that. And then it's like, okay, you got a nice kind of calming folk song by Roger Waters. And I actually happen to like this one quite a bit, but. I mean, yeah, it's nothing great in like the grand scheme of probably folk stuff that was coming around this time. But if you think of it in context of just this album, it's definitely one of the uh, stronger songs, in my opinion. And uh, I was thinking about it with the birds uh, and things like that. Uh, If I had to pick any song on the album that went along with the album cover, I would say it's this song. Like I think of this song and I think of the album cover and it's like, okay, I have like a visual reference. Like it, it ties in with that to me. And, and I actually kind of afternoon sun. Yeah. 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 yeah, Right. And I kind of don't mind the, the birds and the sound effects in the background. (laughs) I mean, I know, I think, I feel like they off, they also, uh, use that idea later on in the album at some point. I don't remember what song it was on, but I, I didn't mind it here. So yeah, this was one of the stronger ones for me. Uh, this song is too long. I was gonna oh, say that. How I, on I, earth is this seven and a half minutes? I forgot to mention too. There's something about the dog fox line that I really liked. It just like the way that kind of came in was like comforting for some reason. I'm like, I kind of like that part. I but, can't uh, sorry, believe. Ahead, I, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm gonna butt in between Mark, but I wrote down that something about the larkin barkin harkin just drives <laughs> me up the wall. I like that part. Yeah, I, I mean, I mentioned it last album, I think, last show, that we're going to start seeing uh, my irritation with Roger Waters, and he might be a bit of my punching bag going forward as we continue on with Pink Floyd. But uh, this song is too long, and it's it, it's a bit cringy in places. I thought Crying Song is a better version of this from Moore, um, and there really isn't a whole lot in this song that, uh, that really appeals to 
to me whatsoever. I mean, they just it's the seven and a half minute lullaby. It just makes me think like if it's a if it if it's a warm blanket, then it's like a scratchy polyester warm blanket. I just want to <laughs> get it off of me. Okay, well, it's sorry probably about dirty that. too. So, sorry, sorry about warm, that, Roger. Dirty blanket. Um, yeah, I pretty much said all I need to say on this song. I will say they do partially agree with Alex in that it does remind me of the album cover. It also does remind me of a British meadow. Mm-hmm. So not that I've been there. <laughs> it it achieves it, its purpose. <laughs> right. So if you're going to name something Grantchester Meadow, it does get me thinking of that. So I guess mission accomplished, though you took <laughs> quite a lot of time to get there. Yeah. Um, the mission you, was pointless. Yeah, if if you didn't have enough of the animal sounds, um, well, you are just about to get some more. I know that excites absolutely everyone. Put your dancing this, shoes on, people. Yeah, this <laughs> is several species of small furry animals gathered together in a cave and grooving <laughs> with a picked. This song. Mr. Roger Waters, everybody. Got a little yeah. bit of beat, beatbox going there. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Roger Ra- Raj. Um, <laughs> Raj. Raj. Let's have a sit down, buddy. Let's Yoko talk about it. Pulling away. Yeah. It's like that great old Chuck Berry and John Lennon video where Yoko gets her mic turned off because <laughs> she's doing <laughs> this kind of thing over. Uh, I don't even remember what song they're playing, but it's just some. Some Chuck Berry classic, but uh, yeah, um, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I uh, okay, wait, 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 hang on, sorry, Kevin. Can you play that that British speaking? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna ask that as well. (laughs) Where is that? That's like it's towards the end. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even get there. And then, great Mario. Okay, like I think I think I should read Harry Potter with that voice. Right. <laughs> it sounds like Monty Python or something. Mm-hmm. I know. In this, yeah. Um, the ye old English. Yeah, it came out the same year. Maybe they were all hanging out. Uh, I know the Floyd guys were big uh, Monty Python fans. Uh, yeah. I think I stated that before. Anyway, get your Monty Python off my Floyd records. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so yeah, I was on my work, uh, my way to work. What day was that? It was Wednesday. And um, don't tell me you busted this out at the office. No. Anyway, just, I was. I, hey, I was. I was doing my. I was doing my prep for the show. And okay. uh, all, right. all right. And so uh, yeah, I'm at the light, uh, about to turn into. Uh, uh, our complex and um, it was about a minute into this song and all of a sudden it goes quiet. And at first I thought it was like one of those weird parts, like in Sisyphus where there's like a silent part. And so I look at my phone, my phone crashed. (laughs) (laughs) It broke your phone. (laughs) It broke. Yeah. I I, I don't know. Like I said, I know my, I know I'm due for an upgrade, but I like to think that my phone while having to process this song, Thought the, it, the, thought the phone was malfunctioning, so it just rebooted. 
the song didn't even want to hear it. Just the went on the <laughs> it was not even Stop. a minute into the I song. My, my phone just again. stopped. Yeah, just shut off. <laughs> Reboot. I looked Someone down. I saw the sound I, blaster. I saw the little ample on my phone. I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> that's a that's a perfect. If you like one stick, if you had a, if you had to summarize. Would be funny if it gave you a message when it rebooted, Chris. No. No. <laughs> Can you please mail your phone to Roger Waters and ask for a new one because remember, his song broke? Remember Metallica your and the, the the girl who scared away the mountain lion by playing "Don't Shred on Me" to yeah. the, <laughs> the yeah. phone that that they wanted to like, give you an intervention. Either that uh, or the anyway, phone. The phone committed suicide. Suicide. Yeah. This song. I was I was dying. I'm like, this is perfect. It's you just couldn't have written a better uh, song. Uh, and I, is too long anyway, I, I got, there's one. There is one part I want to know if you guys pick up what the hell he is saying here at two thirteen. Kevin, can you please? Two thirteen. Uh, is this? Wow. Okay. What is it? there's something like under that like this uh, and I because I know this is all Roger Waters but it sounded like David Gilmore singing kind of some weird re- keeps repeating something and I could never yeah I could never figure out David is dead backwards I don't know <laughs> anyway but yeah that was yeah there's just yeah it's such a yeah this is kind of like breaking the camel's back as far as yeah experimentation yeah I I didn't have a whole lot I mean I I wrote hilarious. Love the Irish accent, and then just asked, "Why is this a studio track? Like, like, why was this? Why was tape wasted? Money spent to put this on there? Like, he had nothing else in the tank. I mean, I don't know, maybe there was some like bigger experiment or sort of social commentary that they were trying to employ here, and it went over my head. I, I, I haven't read a whole lot of interviews on this, but I can't imagine there was much to it." But yeah, no, it's I'm, I'm asking ever in every interviewer from who gets to interview Roger from now yeah, on. Yeah, what was the relentless questions about this? Relentless on several species of a uh, garden. I don't know. He, he's trying to promote his causes, his latest tour. No, let us know about the um, oh yeah, about the yeah, okay, no, uh, other than that, the only other thing I kind of thought about in that last listen, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but it's probably my favorite comedy movie of all time, Caddyshack. The famous yeah. gopher, uh, when it does make a sound in that movie, it is literally that exact sound exact effect sound, you were playing yeah. there. It's like <laughs> Who knows, Maybe they pasted, lifted it from here, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Chris, uh, you'll know a guy um, yeah. that we went to high school with. I'm not going to name him by name, yeah. but uh, I, I think you might know who it is by telling this story. But it was popular when we were in school uh, in the mid-2000s to write backpack, uh, write names of bands that you wanted to identify with on your backpack <laughs> and, and also on your agenda. Right. And uh, a, a friend of ours, he wrote uh, like all these like, you know, like just like the most generic and he, he wrote like Metallica and all that. And he wrote Pink Floyd. And I said, dude, can you name five Pink Floyd songs? Like name me like what's your top three? Please like, tell dude, me this was in there. <laughs> and he just he, like he, he could not name one. I think I, I have a feeling I might, like, I, I might okay, know who let me, that is, let me, but yeah. Let me show you some Pink Floyd. Several species of small furry animals gather together in a cave and grew with a pick. This is Pink Floyd. This is what's on your agenda. This is what you are writing on your backpack. You still a fan? 
I don't, <laughs> I don't know what he would have said, but you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's Pink Floyd for you. Um, we, I think we're it done absolutely here. is. Yes. I think we've surveyed the damage. Um, and we have to pray to Mr. Gilmore yeah. to perhaps save us from where we're going. Uh, this is part one of the narrow way. I'm going to let you guys take the mic here and see if you can save this one for me because I don't like this one and I can't get out of my head the opening of Motley Crue's Slice of Your Pie when I hear oh, this song. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I didn't, think, I didn't think about that song, but I hear it now. Uh, I'm just saying, like, it's so generic. Yeah. It's almost like this, it's not more blues, but it really is just a, a by-the-numbers piece. I know ca- this is going to be the kind of the, the, the high point of the album for most fans, sadly, but yeah. uh, not starting out too well for me. Uh, yeah, this, uh, you know, it's, it's funny cause I think, yeah, this came out a, a couple of years before, uh, uh, before this, uh, getting kind of like acoustic Zeppelin vibes a little bit, like going to California or, mm, or, uh, sure. Gallows Pole, uh, just the way that, uh, yeah, Dave is strumming the guitar. That's all I could hear. It was just, I was waiting for Robert Plant to jump in here and just start singing over it, which you know, maybe would have uh, saved it a little bit. Neil. Yeah, now right, yeah. I can see that. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then of course it goes right back into Floyd territory, kind of with the uh, the weird effects towards the end. Yeah, with the slide guitar and the <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, pick, take your pick. But like he didn't want to do that, but he had to because everyone else was doing it. Yeah, it's like no, it's like no, no traditional song slap. Yeah, like a ruler, like there's slap in there. It's interesting yeah, you, you re- mentioned yeah. how kind of was like by the numbers because so far. Uh, we're each going to mention three different bands that this reminded us of. And I, I didn't think of it on first listen, but I did in this last clip. Uh, I grew up with a lot of Doobie Brothers. My dad's a big fan. And uh, the song Black Water uh, by the Doobie Brothers, oh, yeah, one the, of their bigger hits. Yeah, the guitar hits. part. The guitar yeah. part is very similar. And I imagine that one. I love one, that song. Yeah, same. It's such a, and, such and, a great song. Yeah. yeah, and that one, I assume, did not come out in 69. I want to say probably early to mid 70s. Yeah, it was 73, I think, or 72. Okay. Yeah. Sure, yeah. sure. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we're getting into the territory, like you said, is it's probably most people's favorite. And uh, you could really, I think you could, it's pretty easy to tell who the, uh, who the winner is of this experiment was on this album. Cause you said like each member kind of had their own, you know, couple, two, three songs to, uh, to kind of state their presence. And yeah, I, I think we're getting into the strongest, the strongest member yeah. here, but yeah, this one, in the direction they would go. Yeah. And yeah. this, and this one, I really had no notes on, uh, mm-hmm. I'm actually talking more about this song than I thought I was going to talk about, yeah. but yeah, you know, that, that intro part was kind of cool. And I appreciate kind of the slide work. Cause I don't think I really heard David Gilmore doing, any other slide work prior to this i might be wrong but i, I don't think i remember hearing it so it's, it, yeah it's funny yeah just you know, uh, one quick thing yeah before i didn't want to cut kevin off um but yeah this is kind of like the like the arm around the shoulder versus the slap across the face from rogers songs <laughs> yeah it's kind of <laughs> like okay we're kind of back a little bit back into more kind of comfortable territory but uh still have a well, ways to go that really yeah. uh, and also to jump in before kevin um yeah. that also 
kind of begs the question of a song arrangement and perhaps if this album were reissued or if they recorded it but then decided to put it out in uh i don't know 1997 or whenever um you know that they might have opened with this as uh as just just kind of ease people into it and make it a little bit more palatable to the uh the future pink floyd listener yeah that's the kind of thing actually that i was gonna get at with my comment is that it's there's nothing it's kind of an inoffensive intro there's nothing groundbreaking about it and i wrote down that it was just some strumming and some noise which doesn't like yeah i know mark you're not convinced and i can see why you're not but it's also not like grooving with a picked which you gotta get through to get you this song so <laughs> mm-hmm. that's that's yeah uh, what is a picked uh uh I don't even want to know. <laughs> I, I, I at first thought they meant to say picture, but they just yeah. ran out of room, so they cut the word off. <laughs> like Spotify <laughs> ran out of yeah. maximum level of character. Yeah, we'll, 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 assume, we'll assume that. Yeah. yeah. I think it, it's got to be some kind of British thing. Let's yeah. be honest. It's got to be something yeah. ridiculous. It wasn't in Harry Potter, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, well, let's move on to part two of The Narrow Way. Uh, will any of our opinions change? I find that part two is just the electric version of part one. It's like instead of some strumming, it's a riff and some noise. And that's, that's, that's what it was. I, I don't know. I just, that's, that's kind of what I thought. Like some strumming, some noise, some slide going on. And then. Okay. Part. And then let's see what part. Three has to bring. Yeah, I love how you were able to kind of put all, bring all that together. Yeah, just not go. Yeah, I know. somebody I mean, who can actually re-sing. Uh, yeah, the uh, part two of the I narrow guess. way. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I love how um, how doomy that mm-hmm. that motif is. Yep. I know it repeats over and over, um, but it definitely has a proto noabum uh, feel to it. Uh, maybe even proto, uh, uh, you know, Black Sabbath or yep. whatever. Um, I mean, this to me really feels like a like a, some kind of cinematic programming scene or something um or you know even something like requiem for a dream or some kind of arnofsky film um so you know i really appreciate that part of it that it really does feel like you know i'm gonna throw maybe i'll be a little early i want to throw this out a little bit later but a bold idea um what bold idea sisyphus and the narrow way were interwoven it was like a massive like 20 plus minute uh, epic. Uh, I don't know. Okay, so maybe cut out part three of Sisyphus and maybe trim, <laughs> um, you know. Okay, so like some trimming is, is in order. Oh, you mean um, you're, t- you're you're talking about oh, being a band, okay, and bringing your 
ideas to make one cohesive piece. Yeah. Okay, I got it. <laughs> what a concept, right? But I, mean, I, I, just, feel, I just feel like no. if, if, yeah, you're, yeah, if, if you're really going to be yeah. super experimental, like if you're just yeah. going to really be gr- gratuitous and say, hey, look, you know, we gave you a decent live album, so we're going to give you some bonus material. I feel like yeah. just having the piano yeah. and guitar alternate just feels to me more like a, you know, like I'll sit down and listen to that for you know mm-hmm. it feels like a like a you know like the the new music shows that i used to go to at my college like it would just be kind of like that alternating um compositions that i feel like um you know would have really fit well together and it kind of gives you that okay so here's scene one it's almost like you know some of those movies that have you know two concurrent stories and you know we'll jump from one to the next then back to the first then to the second and i feel like that's where i am with sisyphus in the narrow way hmm. well that's interesting uh yeah, one thing with this, uh, the only thing, and you you hit it right on the head there, Mark, with uh, the Black Sabbathy vibes on it, and, and it's very doomy, which was kind of cool. Uh, one thing I totally heard though on this last listen, and I can't believe I didn't put this together before, and I don't know if you want to like put this clip in there somehow, but uh, another Van Halen reference, which I did not expect to come across, but anybody hear a little Sunday afternoon in the park with that riff there? It's like the exact same riff. It's like, I don't know if you could play that, but I totally heard that in that last listen, and I'm like, wow, that's really similar. Kevin, you'll have to dial that up. I can't today. Yeah, that could be an edit for later, but yeah, I mean, if anything, I just, I appreciate it. I said it's a cool riff, almost Black Sabbathy at times. Uh, again, not my favorite yeah. part of the uh, narrow way here, but kind of cool, but yeah. That they, yeah. know, they're drastically different bands, but would have Pink Floyd been more Van Halenish had they debuted in 74, 75? Would they have been more Rush-like? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's funny you said Black Sabbath. Yeah, it kind of has that, like, uh, yeah, what's, what's the song? I don't know. I don't know why that drum fill in the beginning of that clip kind of sounded like in in the air tonight, like that classic kind of eighties. Never noticed that before. But anyway, yeah, Alex, yeah, you're right. As far as the Sabbathy kind of vibes, yeah, I kind of wrote like heavy and brooding, uh, almost kind of like Jethro Tull a little bit too, kind of on the mm. uh, yeah. like Aqualung, which again it came out a few years later. But yeah, there's a lot. It seems like I don't know if all these guys were just hanging out and kind of it was just the stuff was just kind of developing naturally all from the UK, so they were cross pollinated right. across studios. Um. But, uh, yeah, it's very kind of, I think about as lo-fi here on this album as you got to. Yeah, very kind of, uh, yeah, very dry sounding. Uh, and again, yeah, like, yeah, I know Kevin does a great uh, impression of you know, just the effects. You got to have it in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, but it also kind of gave me a little, there's a little bit kind of, again, some cheesiness to it. Kind of like a, something you'd see in like a very, like, again, kind of like B, like sci-fi movie. Like a mystery science theater or something. I could see this kind of in something like that. <laughs> Yeah, sure. um, I think it's too good for that. I mean, I've been feeling more Darren Aronofsky yeah. and Wrecking for a Dream. Uh, okay, uh, maybe but maybe that could say maybe in the right context, maybe a little less space save. mutiny and a little bit yeah. more uh, <laughs> the the fountain or something. Yeah, I don't know. Done, done, done. Yeah, in space. Yes, thank you very much, Kevin Murphy. I think it might be time to close out the narrow way. Are we to hear the future? Right here, or is that going to be propagated by Mr. Mason? 
It is. It almost gives me chills to hear how prophetic this song is. Like to hear the future of Pink mm-hmm. Floyd oh, yeah. unfolding before you. Yeah, it's yeah. brain damaged. That's like yeah. that's what that's what I got from the uh, yeah from the vocals. Like I got, that's all I could hear was just like that dark side of the moon kind of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I know it's not that far in the future, but really, when you listen yeah. to the album up to this point, and then yeah. you hear this song, you're like, "That's yeah. what they're doing." Like, that's that's here it is. Like, this that was is Dave. the point you can mark yeah. to be yeah. like, "Dave has found his creative vision." And this the is what we're gonna, gonna do. To gravitate toward it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, Roger Waters is gonna be a part of it too. Right. Um, but I mean, there's just it, and I was gonna select this later as my uh, 30 seconds, but from four minutes onward, it's yeah. just like it's just that incredible outro jam that you would hear all over the 1970s, Alice Cooper, Aerosmith, you know, yes, is Starship Trooper. You like you hear it from mm-hmm. Pink Floyd. And, you know, when we get to there, we'll play four minutes in, but uh, I, I love the guitar work there. I believe David Gilmore did everything on this track, played the drums. Yes, yeah, everything. Wow. In the, yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, the drumming kind of sucks. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not <laughs> no. very good. Uh, but, it, but, but at least that's uh, kind of a weird thing. Again, like, kind of my, my thought that, um, you know, the band, like, could they not stand each other at this point? Like, why could Nick Mason pick up the sticks and uh, help him out a little bit? But, <laughs> yeah, well, I, that's, yeah, that's, I would that's have liked to have yeah, heard song. that. Uh, He's too yeah. busy at his garden party. Right, yeah. yeah that <laughs> He can stay there. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> God, I, um, as far as the discussion for like, okay, like each member is going to do everything. I would, I would have liked to have seen how that kind of came about. Uh, be interesting to get. I don't know if there's any interviews out there as far as the, the full, uh, uh, kind of unraveling of this record, but, uh, yeah, this is pretty much like the one like conventional song on here where you can kind of pick up, okay, there's vocal, there's actually a lyrical kind of, there's lyrics here that kind of aren't just ridiculous kind of, well, of course, I mean, they're still very British, but again, there, you can kind of. There's a little bit more context. Um, I, again, I tried reading into it. I mean, some of it was kind of vague, but um, it seems kind of like it's kind of a pattern that they would follow as far as starting on their journey at one point and kind of going through a lot of things, reaching at another uh, at another point, escaping something. Uh, I know there's a lot of that, uh, uh, but I don't think they fully kind of developed that yeah, as far as the real imagery they would kind of take on later when kind of Roger took over uh, at least during the most classic period. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was nice to see here, at least with Dave, that he was trying to at least give some sort of kind of uh, the kind of foundation in the lyrics with the music. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is yeah, there's a one point in that album where you're kind of like, man, am I glad I stuck around to get mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. Because the, the clouds parted, yeah. the sky opened, <laughs> and you're like, there, there, and there's wow. the warm, there's the warm blanket right there out yeah, of the sky. Yes, <laughs> yeah, there's a warm blanket floating up in the sky, and you're just yeah. reaching for it, for it. And you know that you'll get there. Yeah, right. And this this is the thing is like I, I commented uh, to to dad about this, Mark and I's father about this earlier. Is that man? If 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 I were a new now, I, I, if you have been following along, you know that I am about sitting at something like 35% Pink Floyd love at the moment, and I've, I've not been kind to a lot of their material. And if I were not knowing what's coming next, you, you know, if I, if I had no idea, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I, this, this is the, like, this is, would be struggling. I'm struggling as it is knowing what's coming next, not knowing this coming next is, I, I don't know what I would have done, but it, this is like the hope as you can just see it, yeah. but maybe it's on the horizon. Yeah, no, it's funny. Cause, uh, Kev, we were talking before the show about 
you know, what our thoughts were on this album. And I said, I think I know what's going to be the, the, the fan favorite here or the group favorite. And it kind of sounds like that's where we're at here. And that's, what's really cool about doing this whole podcast. Uh, because like I stated on episode one, you know, there was a lot of Pink Floyd that I hadn't listened to. And out of the three bands we've covered so far, this is the one that I have the least experience with. I really only, uh, you know, to be honest, really only know the golden era, like the wall, wish you were here and dark side are really what I know. So it's cool to listen from, you know, the first record to the last record and really study it as sort of like a first time listener. Cause at least with Van Halen, like I knew it was coming. I knew what I was going to say for every album, every episode. I didn't have to do a lot of prep here. It's cool to come across this record and be like, here, this is where it starts. Like, it's cool to find like, you know, find the moment. find the moment. And and I know I think there was a couple parts on Saucer Full of Secrets where I commented on you can kind of hear a little bit of golden era Floyd with the vocals kind of poking through. But like this, this is it. Like this is like the first one. And it's interesting because there's nothing really else on the record that gets like this. And I think to myself, well, I wonder because I don't know if there was really any singles on this record. And I'd be interested to know why they chose to go in this direction was it was this the fan favorite or have they had they been experimenting this whole time to try to figure out where to go to find their sound and then they found it with this and everybody's like this is it this is the fan favorite this is where we should go so it's it's an interesting thing to think about but yeah this is pretty fantastic well i feel like in a in a studio setting like there are moments where um you just feel like it's working and you just feel like that, that, that it's, you know, I talked about that with uh, 5150 in 1984, where just like everything is working, everything is just coming together. And it's just, uh, you know, like everything you, you put out is just gold. And I think that that's something that they started to discover with part three here. And I will again make my argument that um, Sisyphus and the Narrow Way interwoven would be a brilliant journey, a cinematic journey mm. that ultimately ending with the birth of Pink Floyd you know, the genesis of it, right. I think would be, uh, you know, a much, much better presentation of this type of music going from the extreme avant-garde and the construction and deconstruction and the long form transition to the just serene, chilling, just, uh, you know, tones of, of David Gilmore and uh, that just that pacing that would ultimately become iconic. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to disagree with that. I would just say that I would have to hear the edit first. I'd like to see Before somebody do that convinced. on YouTube. Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely it could be this and it's 13 minutes. Like you could cut yeah. down quite a bit. So I'm not saying sure. one giant 26 minute amalgamation <laughs> of, of this and that, that right. appealing, but yeah, I would definitely want to like hear like how that would come together. Cause I could see it possibly working. Um, All right. So yeah, let's uh, if, if anybody was wondering on the album more, if you would hear any, uh, if perhaps the flute would make a comeback after that bum note, it does. Which was which was my highlight of the last show. By the way, it. Yes. So um, uh, she w- she was given some redemption. She was given two parts on this next song. Is her wife, his wife again. Yes, it is. Uh, can Nick top David? Can he close out this album strong? We shall only find out if we listen to the Grand Vizier's Garden Party.
Stunning. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am going to give one comment for the next three songs, and my comment is this. <laughs> Nick Mason, painting the picture of a party we are all glad we weren't invited to. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've got. Uh, yeah, I've got uh, hashtag worst garden party ever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, garden yeah, part, party sucks. Yeah, part one uh, sounds like a stock BBC intro song. Like if you're watching like the news. <laughs> like, well, w- welcome to the wild world of garden parties. I don't. Yeah. Know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> or, or like Forrest Gump, and that's all I have to say about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all Nick Mason had to say about the Grand Visors. Uh, I am, yeah. I am <laughs> glad. Yeah. I am glad that Nick can ride around in his Ferraris now because he's been getting a lot of the short end from us. Yeah, he don't care. Yeah, he, yeah, he gets to go out to he, it. He, he like that drum drumming lessons for like two weeks. <laughs> Before uh, the first album, did he have like songwriting lessons for two weeks before Amagama? Yeah, uh, yeah. Not somehow he managed to stretch that out into uh, a good eight minutes yeah. about it. <laughs> this is why drummers don't write songs. Phil Collins, accepted. yeah. What did I? Yeah, what did I say? Yeah, prior to joining the band, yeah, he only had like four weeks of act or four to six weeks of actual drumming experience. So yeah. you would think Somebody at least by this point, read, yeah, write music. Yeah, it's weird. You think when you join a band? I mean, I know there are a lot of punk rock bands. Yeah, that kind of you might not necessarily, but yeah, at least there, at least there's something. energy. There wasn't a lot of yeah. I think Nick kind of struggled for a while to find his, uh, uh, and he's still struggling at the moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alex, you want to get on the flute action here, or uh, what, what do you want to do? No. To, 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 be, to, be, to be really honest, I hate to uh, ruin the fun here, but I have no comments for the rest of the album. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Literally, literally, I, I, I pulled up my Word document and I numbered the songs and I was going to have bullet points for each one and, and I stopped after Narrow Way Part 3. I have nothing. I don't remember how they go. I think maybe there was something in entertainment that I liked, but I, I, I'd have to listen to it again because I don't remember. <laughs> All right, well, I will play some clips followed by some moments of silence and then uh, we can move on with our show. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> Alright, I'm taking a bathroom break. <laughs> it's Quicksilver Part 2. I was gonna say, Chris, you can just talk over the music. Yeah, but I, know, I'll I, pause I, it. I probably could have. Yeah, I probably could have. Yeah, since yeah, we're kind of checking out at this point. Yeah, pretty much. I had out of my way out of this party at this point. Yeah, it's kind of like, <laughs> all right, I, I don't belong here. I have nothing in common with any of these people here. I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm heading for the exit. Um, yeah, like, God, what do I? I mean, I, what did I have written for this? Yeah, not much. I yeah, just like I'm kind of tuned out. You got yeah, the dark ambient xylophone. Yeah, who knew? Somebody, <laughs> we, was, it, was there, it was there waiting, yeah, just to be found. And I guess yeah, Nick and his uh, his laboratory madness <laughs> is, is yeah, uh, yeah. I've decided oh, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna yes. tell you. It's funny that sounds like again like proto like the stuff I play at the office. Yeah, just like that ambient kind of just droning. Yeah, okay. I'm getting my teeth drilled. I don't want a lot of loud kind of. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's. 
you know, this is where that I, I, music I, I, to fall asleep thing. to quote yeah. comes in. Yeah. Exactly, but there's or, one thing music in, you're bored out of your brain on some tour. Yeah, some, and I, I have to point out this part because I don't know what. Again, I thought there was something wrong with again with my phone. If it was my phone glitching again, um, at around uh, three twenty-eight, where it's like, what's with the drumming? It sounds like somebody's like putting a pencil across the vinyl or, or even the. Uh, uh, or the uh, or the uh, or the tape reel, like it, yeah, it's just where it keeps cutting out. Yeah, there it is. I remember this part now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he, what, he's dragging his butt on the ground. I mean, I don't know what <laughs> on the car. Just <laughs> it's funny. Like this is why I remember the song now. That stupid part. You know what I gotta <laughs> say? I, I gotta chime in here because I just made sort of a realization, and I don't necessarily. I don't know if this will lead me to defend this. But I just thought of a album that I absolutely love that you probably wouldn't think I would love. And I came across it in sort of a, a weird way. But I don't know uh, how familiar you guys are with Brian Eno and any of yeah. his work at all. But mm -hmm. uh, his, sure. al his album, Music for Airports, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. he made that album uh, basically as sort of an, what I've read anyway, is sort of like an anti-anxiety piece for like the hustle and bustle of being at an airport and i read an article once years ago that you know this random guy he's just like you know i was dealing with a lot of anxiety and i would put this record on and it would calm me down and that whole record is kind of like this where it's very kind of quiet and random sort of sound effects and Spot there's music. no vocals <laughs> at all and it puts you to sleep and it calms you down and for that that's why I love it because it it honestly is an anti-anxiety album for me and it works. So, but that album came out in what seventy eight? Did I did I just read maybe seventy eight? Yeah. Something like that. So that's a good what, like ten years later after this or nine. But so I don't know if you know Eno also being a British a British producer. I don't know if he took influence from this. I have to imagine he was a Pink Floyd fan and he was influenced. But I don't know. That I like this, uh, I didn't really do it to me, and maybe I should have came into it thinking like, you know, there was there was a there was a method or a, a purpose behind it, but there wasn't like there was for that record. So it's not me that I I, I basically what I'm saying is I don't necessarily hate this idea and just sort of instrumental atmospheric music pieces because because I don't because one of my favorite albums is full of that, but this eh, i don't know there's no there's no context right uh, right it, it's funny i'd love to uh, like on, on sirius xm spot network I'd, I'd love for them to have like a like a listener takeover like on the weekend it's like okay this is my my top five massage ambient songs and here we go yeah the grand vizier yeah one through three mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah let's just yeah, throw it yeah alex i i agree i'm i'm a fan of brian he knows as well and and you know his uh yeah, to me, it's uh, music for more films is my favorite uh, work of his. But okay. um, th there is, you know, he's famous for being known as a non-musician. Right. I'm not a musician, you know. And what does that say if you're comparing somebody who's famous for that to Nick Mason? Mm -hmm. Who is an actual musician. So yeah, right. I, I, yeah. I don't uh, find that to be complimentary to Nick, really. So uh, yeah, I, I just uh, I, I don't even know if you'd call this a drum solo. <laughs> is it a drum solo? Is it a there are, drum, there are drums? 
I, I, I'm, hear, I'm, I'm hearing yeah. drums. <laughs> I, I just, drum solos are hard enough to get people not to head to the bathrooms, as as we That's found exactly out during this during this during this exact moment. <laughs> they don't need to be made more difficult. Yeah. Like you don't need to give people extra reason to head for the exits to your your, your drum solo. Yeah, so. unless you're Neil. Yeah, you're kind of you got really gotta yeah. you gotta know what you're doing. <laughs> right. Um, All right, we yeah, moving on. <laughs> It's time it's time to bring the flute back into the fold. I think everybody's excited about that. And your IMEA solo ensemble finalists. You know, you know what? And again, I had to go back and listen to part one. I'm like, this is just part one with like harmonic overdubs. That's it. I mean, literally, there's no. If you just want harmonies, a harmonic or a harmony version of part one, that's what this is. And it's like it doesn't add anything. It's like whatever. Yeah. Next. Yeah, I will say that the scope of Nick Mason's contribution compared to David Gilmore and specifically Richard Wright, who really, whether you like uh, syphysis. Not not syphilis. It's actually pronounced syphilis, actually. Let's let's just get it out of the way. (laughs) Whether you've been cured of syphilis or you are uh, more of the grand vizier's garden party type, I uh, definitely say that there is a distinct lack of effort from one of the members or, well, two of the yeah. members in the band. <laughs> Mailing it in. Uh, for I don't know. What, here, so. Whatever they were taking on more hadn't worn off yet. Let's just put it there. Yeah, it's it's yeah, staying in the you, system. You, you, maybe you don't like Sisyphus, but you can definitely see that there was a concept and it was attempted to be executed. Not sure what the concept is here besides having your wife play on two of the tracks. Like, what balance, too? A three-parter. One minute for the first one, seven minutes of nonsense for the second one, and then we're going to follow up right if you more flute. We're going to bring that one back for 42 seconds. Great balance. And yeah. What a closer. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess. <laughs> what, a what, what a closer. Yeah. No, so closers to the rest of all the albums yeah, that we've talked about. Is this the, how does this rank? It, it, was, <laughs> it was interesting that Chris mentioned that this was literally just part one, but with just a little bit of extra features to it. Uh, because when I first listened to this record, this was like the only part of the the Grand Vizier's Garden Party that kind of sounded garden-esque to me. Uh, I mean, I know I mentioned on Sisyphus Part 4, you know, it kind of sounded like I was walking through a Japanese Zen garden or a botanical garden, and then you get to the actual garden song, and I didn't hear it as much as I did there. And then and then Chris goes and he and he says, well, this is, the exit is basically the the same thing as part one and i didn't remember that and that just makes me think like i probably just slept through this whole freaking part (laughs) and don't remember any of these songs and then it gets to the exit where it's like oh okay that kind of sounds like the garden and chris is like well no that happened in part one oh beats me i don't remember so i I must have slept through the first two parts garden party the same damn part but how is that that was the garden party i don't know i I missed that it's the same thing as part one alex is the guest off in the corner slumped over his beer (laughs) (laughs) yeah you gotta go you gotta go nudge him that everybody's scratches his belly and falls back asleep (laughs) 
I'd like to thank, uh, like, when he was recording this, it just got to the point where he just, I don't know how, like, blitzed out he was just if they were doing, like, I can imagine they were doing a lot of substances, but where he just forgot that he already kind of did something <laughs> earlier. He just re Nick, Nick, you did part one already. I'm sorry. Well, but, it's, uh, yeah, it sounds better. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> and, anyway, okay, can we move on to my... Yes, please ask us That's it for the track by track. We are through with our Amagama, and we are ready for seven for the buy. First one to three gets an extra buy or terminate. Anybody want for a, does anybody want an extra? Best of Pink Floyd Spotify All right. playlist or Let's... Apple Music or whatever you may listen to. Take it away, Chris. All right. Okay. No uh, multiple choice here. All true or false. Um, all right. Question number one: True or false? Uh, Amagama was the first Pink Floyd album to chart in the U.S. Billboard Top 100. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I, that was testing. Uh, okay. okay. No joke. That's Sorry, a, I had to be so. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah. just be a button. Just give it to him. Yeah. Bomb out early. All right. I'm gonna say it did chart. It charted in the '90s someplace. Um. Well, since you said yeah, well, I'll give it to you. You were wrong. It wasn't in the '90s. It actually charted at '74. Yeah. Oh really? It's even better. Oh okay. It was their highest. It was their highest charting album, I think, in, yeah, at the time in general, which I thought was kind of odd. I don't know where the music listening public or Pink Floyd fan base where they were. <laughs> oh, it, it was <laughs> if all they the find this part stuff. that we didn't talk about, yeah. which if yeah. I did listen to, it, it is good. Yeah. I mean, okay, well, Kevin's actually snapshot. coming up top. All right, one for Kevin. All right, all right, um, all right. Question number three: True or false? Uh, Grandchester Meadows describes a pasture that was close to where Roger Waters lived. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna take a wild guess and just say yes. True. No, it's false. It was actually David Gilmore. Ah, well there uh, you go. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so he's all right. He's out. I'm gonna I, go I felt kind of bad. <laughs> I, <laughs> put on grand vision. Yeah, I, I, I felt kind of bad. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a true. Feel bad. Yeah. Don't apologize for this. Yeah. We're all bombing out. All right. Um, okay. Uh, uh, next, all right. True or false? Uh, the Narrow uh, Way Part Three was the first lyrical contribution to uh, Pink Floyd album by David Gilmour. Yes, Mark. I am going to also take a little bit of a guess, but I'm going to say false because he did pen a lot of the songs on more, and I can't imagine he would not have penned the lyrics as well. Uh, according to my research, this actually is true. It was true, actually. This is the first lyrical, yeah, okay. contribution. Yeah, I know. I had I had, I had to look at it. I had to read question. into it too. All right, we went on a guess. Wait, okay. So let me check more real quick because there were. I mean, he didn't write anything on. Well, as far as lyrics, a, okay, yeah, a no, Spanish no, no. piece. Okay, so he didn't write. Come on, he wrote those lyrics, those little molesty <laughs> lyrics. Yeah, yeah. he sure there. did. <laughs> I don't know if you want to. Like I said, I don't know if you. I guess, I don't know if you would consider no, those I lyrics, never. but yeah. But that's like right. again, I did re make sure that that was correct because I'm like, well, we're f three albums in now with uh, with him. He must have written, but I guess okay, no. This was the first like actual full like as far as having like yeah like a page Had full of lyrics. Vocals. Yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah, all right. I, I get it. Anything all right. else interesting from your list? Um, all right. I was gonna throw this out there, but I thought it would be two. But I guess I can. Uh, yeah, if you guys want to for toss. fun have a okay. The picked in um, it is the picked. Refers uh, to the ancient founders of Ireland. True or false? 
That's got to be true because yeah. of the Irish voice going on in there. No, it's actually that was actually the Scottish. Yeah, Scotland. <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right. Anyway, all right. <laughs> we don't, we you know, Americans, you don't care about that kind of stuff. Right, you know, it's no, funny. The only mean. one that was answered correctly, it was just more of like a t- like a top forty kind of all the other yeah. cheap. <laughs> Wasn't this a top five album in the? Uh, yeah, it says top it might have five been, yeah. in the UK album charts. Uh, but yeah, this was the first oh. one to chart uh, in the top one hundred in the US. Yeah. Okay. Man, so, anyway, bad. sorry. So Kevin gets it, his extra whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. Maybe but yeah, but yeah. but I think that um, Saucer did chart in the USA, but not well after until well after. Yeah, but it, I well, yeah, I think that was down the. But I think it charted oh, Piper, like, like one fifty something. I think uh, initially, uh, yeah. it did, in the U.S. it did not chart in the top one hundred. Yeah, saucerful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Sounds good. All right, take it away, Alex. Love it or flush it. Okay. Well, here we go, guys. And I was about to say maybe we should have uh, reviewed the live album because this will be good. Uh, tonight's order, Mark, Chris, Kevin, myself, opening it up with Sisyphus Part 1. Is that how we're going to do this, guys? We're going to go the 12-track CD listing and do 1, 2, uh, 3, 4 of Sisyphus or judge it as all one piece? One piece, like I say, like I liked this, but I flushed the rest, or if you want to do that, or do you want to do it that way? Oh, I, I think we break it by individual, individual parts. Twelve yeah. tracks. Okay, that's fair. All right. Well, Sisyphus Part One, then the uh, grandiose opening. Mark, what do you think? No, yeah, I love it. Gives it the love, Chris. I'm gonna flush it just because I don't care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I-, I was never struck that it was that grandiose, so I'm gonna give it a flush. Yeah. Keep that train going, why don't you? Oh, come on. You guys don't like your perfect dark music? 30 years before perfect dark made it to. Only your if TV. I'm holding a falcon and, and swooshing around places. I don't know. I think it, it adds something to the. Well, whatever. You guys. <laughs> it's a show of opinions. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right. Your opinions are wrong. On, <laughs> bring it on over to part two. A little nice piano, a little not so nice piano. Mark? Yeah, big love again. I love the <laughs> contrast in this. <laughs> Come on. Chris? <laughs> Since when are you allowed to butt in uh, on my yeah, love? I'll, I'll, throw, I'll <laughs> throw a little bit to Mark. Yeah. I'm not, not going to be as strong Sorry. as Mark, but Go I'll ahead. give it a very mild love because uh, it. Uh, yeah, it does bring on the some warm feels. So <laughs> next time you hit, I'm just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it slipped. My finger <laughs> slipped. Okay, uh, Kev. Uh, I'm actually gonna give this a love too. I, I enjoyed this part of the song. Okay, well this is getting a flush for me. So let's bring it on over. <laughs> <to> <laughs> Okay, all right, let's bring it on over to Sisyphus Part 3. A lot of uh, sound effects going on here, Mark. Yeah, this is the part you flush. (laughs) Keep it going. (laughs) Keep it it down. Yeah, get the roto rooter, yeah. Just keep it going down there. Make sure there's no plug. Yeah, man. I I don't know what to flush or what to terminate, honestly. So, shoot. I'm just gonna tee this one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Just 
just get rid of it. I was going to tease something else, but at least I got a little bit of an enjoyment out of it at some point. So, all right. <laughs> Guys, uh, I think we should totally do a John Cage discography. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Totally well, at least I would go into it knowing that that's the point and that's what he does. And I could study it and come, come yeah. at it differently. But all right. Uh, yeah. so this was part four, the end of it. Mark? Yeah, too long, but I still uh, I still like it. I feel like it brings the uh, the song to a conclusion. And look, if you're going to complain about the organ outro again, you know, if you're going to start again, my argument towards Sisyphus plus their narrow way, it is a perfect uh, transition from the old to the new, and it's definitely an old. It's kind of maybe I don't know who knows. Maybe the last time they'll do it. So for that, I'll give it a pass and a love and an overall love to Sisyphus. All right, Chris. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give this a very light love squeeze. Um, I like the kind of because it kind of reminded me of like some of the older horror movies from like the silent era. I think it's a perfect, uh, kind of backdrop to that, but that's yeah, about it. So, okay, all right, Kev, too long, too much recycling going on. Flush it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know I did say that this is my favorite part of the four, and the first part was kind of good, but yeah, I don't know. Just let's just get rid of it. Just get rid of the whole part. Just flush it, please. Jeez. Okay, uh, before we move on, this is kind of out of curiosity, not for official scoring purposes, but uh, the the movement as a whole. Um, obviously, I love it with three out of four. Chris, you're split. Alex, I think either a flush or a terminate. And Kevin, it looks like you're pretty solidly in the flush camp. Chris and Alex, where do you <laughs> Toilet town. as a whole? Uh, oh, um, uh, yeah, I don't as know. a it's, whole, I, I wouldn't really go back and listen to no. this. It just there was only like point five. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, there was you point. This one. There was point five. I mean, okay, all right. I see where you're getting at. Uh, this is There's the second teable material. There's definitely, on. There's little, yeah, there absolutely is. So, all right, fine. No, I'll, I'll, I'll flush it. But yeah, it's I mean, there was only, there was only dead, like, burned. there was only, there was only like 0. 0.5 of a part yeah, I, of this that I yeah. liked. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, destroy anything on there. I mean, at least it is more of kind of in the vein of like avant-garde multi-piece pieces, unlike later on. I mean. Yeah, I guess you could say as far as weirdness, I guess this is one of the stronger moments, but I'm not really, I mean, personally, I'm not on board, but. <laughs> yeah. So but you I flush it overall? Uh, yeah. I think I gave it a couple, uh, you know, I was 50-50 actually in here. I gave two loves, uh, uh, I think I flushed one and two, one and but. One or, three. Uh, yeah, that's uh, but kept uh, yeah, two and four, yeah, for their kind of. For certain vibes, yeah, were kind of like interesting, yeah, or certain contexts where that would work for me. So overall, do you do take Sisyphus as a love or a flush? Uh, in general, I would probably just flush it. I mean, it's not like something I'm going to go back and yeah, yeah. It's a beer on the like, like, yeah, 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 again, I'm, I'm on the board. I'm, I'm I'm never I'm never going to listen to this song ever again. So that's yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, right. Like I said, I'm going to be as, as objective as I can in the at the moment. But I'm not okay. gonna. As far as we are like, not here to kiss bands' butts. Yeah, that's I, fine. Yeah. 
Yeah, when I when, when I'm done tonight, I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna fire up fifty one fifty. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna fire up Amagama again. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Gomez, right. Gomez. Yeah. All right, we'll bring it on over to the beginning of Roger Waters' portion of the record. Uh, Grant Chester Meadows, Mark, what do you think? Yeah, big flush, Raj. Oh. <laughs> Chris? It's like, no, we don't need any more bird noises, so yeah, another big flush from me. Yeah, I just couldn't get past it. I couldn't. If you can't take it anymore, and it's coming up like and it's, and, and, it, in the next and it's too derivative of Simon and Garfunkel, too, so yeah. All right, Kev? You know, I'm going to give this a light squeeze. Big point. Yeah. I'm just like, mm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, well, see, I'll tell you why, too, because when I was thinking about this as a five song album, I got to love something. So this was going to be the one that was going to going to be the love. So you're going to take seven minutes and 20 seconds, six seconds. No, yeah. I really don't. But it is it is long. But yeah, this was my first favorite on uh, on the first listen. And uh, yeah, I happen to like this song. So I'm going to give it a love. All right, well, let's move it on over to, here we go. Several species of small furry animals gather together in a cave and grooving with a Pict. Mark? With the Scots, yeah. Look, if I just read that song title, I know the song sucks, and therefore it gets the T. Because <laughs> the music doesn't help it one bit. I wonder, I wonder if there was any, like, bands prior to this that had a song title that long. Because, I mean, you guys would remember being, you know going to school and growing up in like the early to mid 2000s where a lot of those pop punk like fall out boy and panic at the disco where there was a trend to do songs yeah. with super long song titles Red like that or something stuff like that so it's like yeah this is this is a big one uh but yeah chris what do you think um uh, i was so ready to terminate this but uh, uh i mean i'm i'm still flushing it but it did put enough of a big smile on my face where yeah I, uh, yeah. yeah where i gotta yeah. i gotta hold on to it it's just it's too yeah it's too ballsy yeah that uh it's like okay even mm-hmm. at this early stage at Roger Waters it was flexing his uh, <laughs> all right yeah, his muscle no uh, my my three word review of this was can it Raj so it gets the T yeah and he's got two of them he might not be done yet. Yeah, I, 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 this was originally going to be the Terminate, but then I'm exactly where Chris is at. I'm like, well, at least it had some humor to it. So yeah. that's yeah. why it just gets the flush over us as if it's yeah. part three. <laughs> Even a mild compliment still gets a flush. <laughs> All right, starting off with uh, old Dave's portion of the record, The Narrow Way, part one. Mark? Yeah, I asked you guys for some help on this, and it seems like you weren't uh, willing to give it. So no, nope. it's a flush. <laughs> Sounds like I wasn't. I wasn't all. Chris? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna flush it too. Yeah, it just sounds you know, like yeah, kind of underdeveloped compared to other ba- uh, bands who have done it better. Um, yeah, you guys convinced me to flush it. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
All right, and it's time to put the bag over the urinal. <laughs> Eight straight teas and flushes. Boy, somebody's gonna have to call a team. Yeah, <laughs> back in order. Not good. This All right. Team, that's you know, this is one of those team records. We'll call it a team. Uh, uh, team flush. Flush. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh man, I'm getting tired already just thinking about this record. Okay, the narrow <laughs> way part two, Mark. Yeah, yeah, this one is a love for sure. I mean, it's a bit uh, bit repetitive, but still starting to uh, percolate. The genesis of Pink Floyd starting to uh, seed a little bit. Yeah. Okay. All right, Chris. Yeah, I'll give it a very light uh, love. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's got that heavy brooding feel to it. Yeah, it's it's more of what I'm used to in a song that's covered in a lot of what I'm not <laughs> used to. So yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Kev. Yeah, I don't necessarily love this part, but I don't hate it, so I'll give it a warm squeeze. Okay. Uh, I don't even know what I would give this. I said cool riff, but that was... <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. Mm. <laughs> oh, boy. It's allergic to avant-garde. Yeah. Uh, I just flush it. I mean, it was kind of a cool <laughs> riff, but it didn't do a whole lot. I don't know. I'm not going to go back to it. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Okay, all right. Part three. Good, Mark. Uh, will you guys let me go back on this because I want to buy something else, and I was kind of waiting to buy this, and I get the feeling everyone's going to be buying it, and I kind of want to buy Sisyphus Part Two. Can I do that? Uh, I don't know. Are you invoking your one-time? Uh, I'll I'll only switch. let you buy several species. <laughs> I don't want to buy the Grand Vizier's Garden Party, and I I would buy this just for many obvious. Well, reasons. to be honest, I mean, we'll, it's fine. We'll have the three. We'll have all because I think everybody's kind of in that vein. Yeah, that we're all. Yeah, let him do it. Drop the hammer. Yeah, no. Fine, fine. Let, yeah. let him do it because yeah, otherwise it's gonna be a landslide on this one. Yeah, ring me up right. for Sisyphus Part 2 with the dynamic piano and bring me in a strong, strong, strong love for the narrow way with the hope that you guys don't pull the carpet out from under me, flush this, and then go buy the Grand Vizier's Garden Party. <laughs> oh, no, my second T is just waiting for the end of it. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. Okay, Chris, did you, did you, is it your turn uh, on narrow way? Uh, yeah, I'll buy uh, the third part. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, again, it's the one cool song on the record that's where it's like, okay, that's like, all right. And again, like Mark said, it foreshadows what's coming. So yeah. I'll, I'll give it for uh, the positive for uh, showing the way. Yeah. Oh, all right, for the future. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's any surprise that I'm also going to buy this song. Same. A guiding light out of the darkness. Yeah. This song is. Ring, ring me up as well. Yeah, great, great tune. And originally, it, it was going to be Grant Chester Meadows. And for some reason, on first listen through, I feel like maybe I skipped this or I nodded off or what. But I'm like, I don't remember it. And then I listened to it again today. I'm like, whoa, where did this song come from? So, mm -hmm. yeah, this song's great. Okay. Garden Party. The Flute. Grand Vizier's Garden Party Part 1. Ahead, the Entrance. Mark? Yeah, I'm going to pull an Alex on St. Anger here and just flush the rest of the album for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> 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 
Chris? All right. Uh, can I invoke my one time uh, uh, as far as terminating the whole, all three parts? <laughs> I just, just nuke the whole thing. Are you try to triple terminate? <laughs> can, I, can I do that or do I have to choose one part? I don't know. It'll be kind of weird to have a triple terminate here. Because I just, yeah, I just don't, I don't want to, yeah. <laughs> There's just nothing here worth saving. <laughs> I want you to pick which flu part you terminate. Do I <laughs> yeah, come on. All right, all right so you're going to have me, okay, so this is what I'll do. I'll just do it all in one fell swoop. Okay, I'll, I'll terminate part <laughs> three because it's just, uh, it's just, it's just part one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but, but fancier. It's like he tried putting like some like sparkles on it to try to. to uh, okay, so you. You're doing flush, flush, terminate. Is Correct, yes. Okay, yeah. so hang on. Sorry, <laughs> blowing up the toilet. <laughs> yeah. The cherry bomb in the... You flushed it, uh, decided that wasn't good enough to threw some C4 down there. Yeah. All right. All right, Kev? Uh, I am going to change it up from Chris. I am going to do flush, terminate, flush. Okay. Yeah, I really wanted to terminate part two just because of the weird drumming, but... Yep. Poor, and, poor uh, Nick. We, do, we don't even talk about his song in parts. Yeah, sorry about poor your wife. Uh, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to echo that. Cap, uh, go ahead and do the exact same thing. Triple flushing. Oh, I put... You already used the terminate. This is a triple flush. All right, we'll just give it a triple flush. Just get it out of here. All right, just okay. get it out of here. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> Sorry about your wife? <laughs> I think that should be on the Instagram. That should lead us. Yeah, hashtag <laughs> Sorry about your wife. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't make, don't speak ill of the dead. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, I guess it's pretty much a consensus that this one gets the universal flush. The narrow way, a little bit more uneven, but I think with enough buys, you guys would be buying the whole thing, even if it weren't for part one, if we were doing this individually. Yeah, mm -hmm. because I will say that I did like the cool riff in part two, and if anything, I'll say, the uh, again, the Doobie Brothers Black Water tie-in with part one. So, yeah, easily David's narrow way was my favorite part of the whole album and i'm glad it's here sure yep. all right wow um boy our score sitting where they not used to be with the other uh records or the other discographies so uh anybody want to change their record they're uh they're out of 10 i'm a five chris a 2.5 alex a two kevin a two seems like alex you might even be dipping down to a 1.5 with only one buy and one love the bare minimum actually <laughs> Uh, no, because I feel like two is right. I mean, it's like two saves and the rest are not. So that's just kind of the way I planned it. And I, I wasn't really convinced to go any higher. So, yeah, okay. I think just the Kevin, two. Got, got any more there for the, the album? Mm, oh, I, I don't think it goes any better either way. Maybe you convinced me on certain parts, but... Some other parts have fallen, so I think two is where it sits. Chris? Uh, yeah, I'm staying at 2.5. Again, just a half point for... I mean, I can appreciate it's... Yeah, as far as the con the context of what was happening yeah, and where the band was at, I mean, you got to kind of give them a little bit of credit there. that They were yeah, finding their voice. They're probably much more unique than a lot of other bands of the time. So, But again, it's just a raw listening experience. I... I 
Like I just, I'm not going to listen to this again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, well, you say that I am going to bump my score up to a six. Yeah. Uh, the what? reason I do that, <laughs> yes, I am because, and that's almost you barely even outscore me. You'd be a combo six point five. I'm a six. Anyway, um, you know, if we got four members of the album, uh, I appreciate uh, and I really uh, enjoy Richard Wright's composition. Uh, I really enjoy David Gilmore's, and I. Uh, think Nick Mason's composition is a joke and I hate Roger Waters <laughs> compositions. Um, and I think that even, I think the good outweighs the bad just slightly. So that uh, equals a six for me, uh, bring it up a little bit. So, well, it's a show of opinions and we're not here to kiss bands butts. And I am the only one doing that on Umagumma, I guess. Um, and it's, I guess it's kind of unfair in a way to, um, ignore such a significant portion of the album. Really the reason why people bought the album. And this is just more of a bonus, uh, bonus vinyl, I suppose. So, um, but we don't, you know, what are we going to do? Talk about, uh, a saucer full of secrets or set the controls for the heart of the sun again. Um, I think there's stuff to discuss there, but that's for another show. Um, perhaps, uh, some of the, anyone who also wants to take that lead, we won't. Um, but that closes out. I'm a gumma and I will nominate the ending of the narrow way, the outro for the 30 seconds that best represent this album. Um, seems like it's, uh, at least something there because it is a triple buy. Anybody else have any ideas yeah I, I would go with the solo part yeah that's definitely uh um sure mm-hmm. does anybody have a uh time stamp if you want to cue it up or not Four uh minutes. you can put like 522 i had the, the subtle guitar fade out or 423 yeah okay 423 then yeah L- let me cue that up just so we can give it a listen i think we're probably all going to be in agreement but why not Honestly, yeah. Dave, get a drummer. Honestly, yeah, Dave, I w- lay off the crash. I would have picked something with vocals in it. Honestly, like maybe like the chorus or something. Because if anything, that seemed more golden era Floyd to me. So I mean, well, definitely talking- something from this song. But yeah, well, I think we're talking about as far as the album at the moment. I mean, because again, it has the musicality, but it also has the weird kind of experimental kind of noises and slide. And uh, I think it, it encompasses all of those elements. It's still rooted where they are at the moment, but it points to the future. Yeah, so yeah, I think, and, yeah. And this okay. is not a very vocal album, so. Right, yeah, exactly, you don't want, yeah, right, and that's, that's fair. Thing, yeah. All right, that closes out. I'm a gumma, and yeah, the 60s are finally over. Boy, was I happy to get here once we had left Metallica and the uh, 2000s and the, uh, the, the Limp Bizkit era, let's put it that way. And uh, boy, it was refreshing, but I'm ready to leave the 60s, and I think that uh, you guys are too. Let's head on to Adam Hart Mother next time. Uh, well known to be disliked by the band. Will we like it? Stay tuned and find out next week on Adam Hart Mother on Light the Sky. <laughs>